Hi there, and welcome to the T21 Mom Podcast. My name is Mary, and I will be your host. On each episode, we will talk about life, Down syndrome, single parenting, special needs, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's seven years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I am living life my way. And on today's episode, and we are now episode four into our season two, we brought back... Which is actually episode 26. Which is really episode 26, for those who are counting. We brought back Katie Renald, who is a potty training slash toilet training expert. And we had her on in season one. I think it was episode 17. And it turned out that was the most popular episode and she got a lot of questions and emails from our listeners out there. And so she asked if she could come back on and I thought, perfect. So I put it out there. I asked what your questions were in regards to getting your rocking kiddo toilet trained. And she is going to answer those questions today. Today on the T21 Mum podcast, we have brought back behavioral consultant and toilet training expert, Katie Renald of Blackbird Special Education. I'm very excited to have Katie back on the show today because her episode in season one, which is episode 17, if you want to go back and listen, has been our most popular episode yet. Welcome back, Katie. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. I'm so excited for you to come back. And I know that a lot of our listeners, I'm sure are too, because when I put it out there, I got a huge response from people. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about who you are and how you became a toilet training expert. I mean, you don't have to go into huge detail, but Mm -hmm. because they can go back and listen to the first episode. But so people today can know a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah, I um, I'm a board certified behavior analyst and I got my start working with kids with special needs doing um, early treatment for kids with autism. And then when I was in grad school, furthering my education, I worked with uh, Dr. Pat Miranda at UBC um, on my master's thesis, which was all about toilet training because that was a big uh, expertise and interest of hers. And I was interested in it too. And mm-hmm. then um, when I started working in the field after I was done that degree, I yeah, there were just so many people who needed support with toilet training. It became a huge part of my practice. And so it's been about 10 years of really, really focusing on toilet training now. So yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I've spoken to many parents and they have used you and they are all very appreciative. So great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. And I know Pat Miranda, she's also like the potty training guru. Yes. And I kind of use potty training and toilet training interchangeably, but Mm -hmm. whatever people are comfortable with, they can choose to use whichever term they like. Because I know some people were a little bit upset that I said potty because it's, I guess, kind of thinking that it's more for younger children. Mm. So I think that might have been part of the issue, but you know, we say potty in my house. So yeah, fair (laughs) enough. A lot, a lot of families I work with say potty. I say whatever the family says. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. So The popularity of your episode, which was all about toilet training, potty training, tells me that so many of our listeners are really in need of information and guidance or just really struggling is what I often read about Mm -hmm. uh, to train their child with with Down syndrome because and it's such an important skill and a milestone. And like for me, I can speak personally, it was just so freeing, you know, once that milestone has been achieved. Mm -hmm. And so you know, because you 
asked to actually to come back on, which I'm so grateful for. And so I went on to several Down syndrome forums and I put it out there what people wanted to know about all about toilet training, all about potty training. And I know when you did Ainsley, you, you, you did what's called the rapid toileting method, I guess. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Maybe you can just talk a little bit about what that is sure yeah absolutely I mean yeah first of all I I asked to come back because so many people emailed me which was amazing I guess you a lot of your listeners really had specific questions beyond what we talked about about their Mm -hmm. own kids so I'm so happy we can talk about that today but it is it is good to first mention the rapid toilet training method which is the main thing I do use in practice and that yeah the episode we did for season one um was all about that so it'd be great Mm -hmm. yeah as you mentioned for families to listen to that for more detail but um, what it is rapid toilet training is a focused behavior analytic toilet training method Um, it was developed in the 1970s by uh, behavior analytic researchers Asram and Fox and they really um, they pioneered sort of the boot camp method Mm -hmm. of toilet training Um, a lot of people talk about oh it's the boot camp thing oh I know what that is yeah so it's kind of become many different things since then but they're the they're the originals they really um came up with the idea of sort of a focused focused treatment for a couple days one thing about rapid toilet training that um i think has been sort of lost with other boot camp methods is it's not really about a number of days necessarily like people will say oh you do that thing that's five days oh i've heard there's one that's three oh i've done one that's a week rapid toilet training is more about how long it takes the child to master something so um, there's sort of a criterion they reach and that's when it ends so actually Mm -hmm. sometimes kids are done the rapid toilet training procedure in in 48 hours sometimes it's two weeks it depends on the child so um yeah it's more about meeting a criteria of mastery than a certain number of days days yeah yeah but yeah again the the, we talked so much about that on the season one episode I was on so that'd be great resource for people to learn more about it yes and I'll repost those notes that I did on the first yeah in the first season Mm -hmm. again on the t21 mom Facebook page that kind of goes into a little bit more detail about some of the tips and tricks to to do in in order to help your your rocking kiddo to to be successful because mm-hmm. we all really want that like yesterday or last week really mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know because for me it was a, it was you know walking was a bigger milestone for me because it took so long but potty training was right up there mm. you know because it is such an important life skill as I'm as I'm sure you know and and I'm sure parents are just so grateful after you leave after however many days you've been there so yeah no yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah that's a it's a big big part of why I want to do it it's so it's such a big deal for families like it's so rewarding to help them with this um however I can so yeah no it's a wonderful line of work yeah yeah well we are so grateful that you do that because I was just reading today actually on Facebook someone said how can I find someone mm. you know to do that you know because it's it's can be really exhausting and I do hear that from a lot of parents when they try to do it themselves that it because it's hard oh yeah you know because you have to be so on it and so when I did post the questions to the different Facebook groups there was kind of four areas that people primarily had questions about which were a big one and I actually need help with this is getting kids to initiate Ainsley's not too bad but sometimes she says it to get out of things Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I see that sometimes yeah okay she learned that right from the beginning like as soon as she went back to school 
she would just say she had to go pee pee or whatever and they would take her mm-hmm. you know because she knew she was getting out of doing work she was just smart and uh, so getting kids to initiate nighttime training dealing with bms and regression mm-hmm. would you think those are some yeah kind of main those areas? were those were definitely the things that um people had asked me about after the last episode and there are things that um that come up in my practice often so yeah these are i think you nailed the the key issues here so these are totally the right things to talk about today okay awesome so i i'll just kind of read off what some of the questions were sure yeah and you can sort of talk about it so one woman said you know we've been struggling the last four to five years our child is only trip trained we feel helpless or mm. our daughter's toilet trained, but on a schedule, we have to remind her to go or physically take her. We don't know how to make her go on her own or tell us we have been struggling for years. Mm-hmm. Yes. I hear this, this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Relatively often. So it's a complex issue. So I'll give a few ideas that I hope can help people okay. think the right way about it or look in the right direction or um, find some resources. So, One thing is to examine whether it really is a problem of initiation or not. So sometimes um, I encounter kids who will pee or poop when you take them to the toilet, but they also have very frequent accidents, like almost as many as successes. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the times families will define that as an initiation issue, where to me really it's, mm, they're getting... They just don't totally get the whole toilet training thing altogether. So they get that they're supposed to pee or poop in the toilet, but they don't really try to hold it when they're off the toilet. So sometimes when people approach me with an initiation issue and it's that, I'll say, "Mm, it's not initiation per se. What you're dealing with is that... You know, they you kind of got to go back to the drawing board and and start from scratch. It'll probably go quickly, in my experience. Um, if the family has an issue like that, and then the child does rapid toilet training, they can master it quite quickly. It's just a matter of sorting things out. There's some confusion there, but um, if the child will pee or poop when you take them to the toilet, usually, and they they try really hard to hold it when they're off the toilet, then you can try some sort of training that's focused just on initiation so sort of a smaller issue so yeah it's just important to define what you mean by initiation before you go forward with this issue i think okay. um so if you do have the latter that i described so that they they will peer poop when you take them but also they really are trying to hold it and they're only going to have an accident if somebody completely forgets to remind them to use the bathroom or take mm-hmm. them to the bathroom then the couple initiation things to think about one is it's often very linked to their communication skills. And sometimes um, if you're working, you know, with a speech pathologist or you have a school team that's really working on communication for the child, they're the ones to to talk to about this. Because if the child's just learning to request things, mm-hmm. it's a big ask to get them to request to use the bathroom. It's much more complex than something like telling you what game they want to play or what book they want to read. Um, because, yeah, knowing that you need to use a bathroom is knowing my bladder's full, I have this feeling, I need to go, I'll tell them now, and then it's going to be a minute before I get there. The, the communication chain is really complex. So mm-hmm. I, I do recommend if you have a speech expert involved um, who's working with your child either on speech or um, an augmentative communication method, they're a great person to ask. 
Um, that being said, uh, other things you can do are some kids, the, the alarm method, we talked a lot mm-hmm. last time and a lot of people had questions about too, um, using the, the chummy alarms, mm-hmm. which I imagine you could link again because they're a great resource that can really help some kids make the initiation connection so they can wear this little super sensitive alarm in their underwear. And then you just kind of go cold Turkey and you don't remind them. Okay. And as soon as a drop of pee hits their underwear, it goes beep, 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 beep. And it kind of makes that body-brain connection start. So then the child kind of learns to, oh, jump up, run to the bathroom. And usually you can fade out the alarm usage quite quickly if they're ready for that. method so you know pretty fast if that one's going to work or not um and then the the sort of final uh recommendation i can make around initiation that's general is um there is a method in the research that i've used in practice as well um called scheduled chair sittings so instead of, of prompting the child to sit on the toilet at an interval you prompt them to sit on a chair near the toilet mm-hmm. um it's a little bit of an involved and complicated procedure um but basically the way it works is the child's on this chair so close to the toilet and you kind of park them there with you know their ipad or book or whatever you're sitting there chatting with them and then they start to recognize when they need to pee they move to the toilet by the way of of you know somebody prompting them and helping them and then how it works is you slowly move the chair further and further away it's it's a lot mm-hmm. like it's a, okay. a big undertaking and it's one of those things you might want to get support from somebody like me um to work on because for a parent it can be one of those things that's just frustrating and takes so long <laughs> yeah. um but yeah there's i i can also um share with you a link where there's a video online of me talking about how to do this procedure so families are interested in trying it out that's something they could definitely look at um so there there are ways with initiation is the bottom line Mm -hmm. um but it's it's complicated it's Mm -hmm. it's communication is a huge factor um and kind of yeah figuring out yeah motivation is still an issue um some kids only have accidents in certain situations like yeah watching tv is the Mm -hmm. big one um they'll they'll initiate anytime except when they're watching tv so really looking at what all the variables are um is the the best approach i would say so so for some of our kids with down syndrome because speech can be a challenge Mm -hmm. so would you suggest maybe having like a peck yes little board maybe I guess up somewhere that or maybe they just have that with them or I guess maybe even with if they're at school maybe one of their A's that they yeah. have that or on their like Ainsley has a touch Ainsley's verbal like she'll mm-hmm. she'll say mm-hmm. so like like that could work I guess yeah it just depends the card, exactly or? yeah if they if the child's got kind of a good command of a of a PEC system okay um and that's something that they readily use to request other things then it makes a lot of sense to yeah use use it in their toilet training the way you would use it for any kind of training for that child but it's I do sometimes see um families will want to try doing something like that like a picture method but if the child doesn't doesn't already know how to use Mm -hmm. pictures in in that sort of way then this is not the place to start it it's like starting them at varsity level picture use like they really should start with the basics so requesting things like you know a favorite book a favorite toy um and going through sort of the pecs training as it's intended so yeah okay. i think that's kind of what you mean is if they use them already yeah. great yeah, yeah. integrated into that system um and yeah it can be i mean considering too we want to motivate the child to initiate so mm-hmm. 
um, it can feel like a step back sometimes too to say use rewards again so mm -hmm. like in some of these examples of questions from families what I'm picturing is a child who's been using the toilet a long time they're just not initiating sometimes um, re you don't want to do that you don't want to reintroduce you know candy again yeah. if they you haven't needed it for years but maybe you do need it to push them to initiate oh, like I worked okay. with a child recently who just wouldn't initiate and it was ended up being a simple fix because we just put he, he, he was such an easy kid to identify a reward for and that's another thing we talked a lot mm -hmm. about in the last episode was what motivates your child and he just had this certain um like these little mini cupcakes that he loved mm -hmm. and we just bought them and we put them in the bathroom and they were under the sink and that it that made it click for oh. him it's like they are in the bathroom yeah it's part of the routine of using the bathroom and he started initiating like crazy so sometimes wow. it is it is simple you kind yeah. of make it part of a chain and you motivate them as much as you can so it but it yeah it's one of those things that's so case by case I just hope that giving a bunch of ideas can yeah. help people kind of figure out where their child is and where it makes sense and also who to ask like if um if you know yeah you have someone like a speech pathologist involved awesome they can probably really help with this sort of thing and we'll certainly put the link to yeah. that video mm -hmm. on our uh, our web page so that listeners can can click on that if they are needing that help because like for Ainsley for example she like as I said previously she often says it to get out of doing work and it uh I think it's getting better but I guess I mean often I'll say well no you you don't need to go because you just went mm -hmm. yeah so but it's always that fine line like maybe she still does need to go yeah right so I don't know do you have any suggestions over the, around yeah, that yeah that's or? a good question um if it's really excessive which I have seen before mm -hmm. um I've sometimes used a strategy with kids where there's sort of a finite number of times they're allowed to initiate. Ah, okay. So I, like we've done things like make a little sort of like a token board. Yeah, with, we you know, that. Yeah, yeah, three, maybe three little pictures of toilets on it. And each time they go to the bathroom, I show them, okay, I'm going to take one off now. So you have two more chances to use the bathroom today or before you leave school or whatever. Because... Yeah, you, and we base that on how many times that child realistically needs to use the bathroom okay. and then give them a little more. Yeah. So if on a normal day they use the bathroom five times at school, I'd put seven okay. on there. So then it also teaches a bit of self-management because yeah. uh, then they can use it to get because you know all kids do that <laughs> I did that in school yeah. oh math is starting I'm really good at pee right so it's okay they can do that you know once a day they just can't do it repeatedly repeatedly yeah. repeatedly yeah and it's also I mean the sort of bigger picture behavior analyst in me takes over too I think what what do they want to go do what what do they want to escape and why mm -hmm. is it like sometimes it's something like they love the water fountain they want to go to the water fountain in the hallway well how can we use that maybe it's it's, it's not actually about using the toilet it's about visiting the water fountain well maybe we can motivate them to do their work by um, using the water fountain is something they can choose after they they complete their work. You, you know what I mean. So it's right. it's sometimes good to look at the big picture. But there's a there's a few ways to play it, and it it doesn't just have to be every time they tell us they need to go. Yes, we honor it. And there yeah. are some kids though where you would do that yeah. early in communication. Sure, you tell me we'll go thirty times a day. But then once it becomes excessive, there's ways to shape it. Okay. Yeah. I like the token board because I we tried it uh, about a year ago when mm -hmm. I know this is a little bit off topic, but 
when Ainsley was pulling hair and I was kind of, uh, I didn't think it would work, but she got it. Mm. Like I didn't think she would understand the concept of the tokens was a reward, Mm -hmm. but she got it and it nipped it in the bud. Awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we've used it a couple of times for, there was something else I used at daycare for something. I can't remember. And her, her BI, her behavioral interventionist, Mm -hmm. she uses it during her sessions so yeah, it's definitely, so for people who are wondering, yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised. I didn't think, I wasn't really convinced, but I had to see it and it, and it actually worked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it was well, well executed. Cause it's one of those things that it, not only do you need the physical item of the token board, you need mm-hmm. good teaching of how to do it. So that, that's awesome. It worked yeah. well for her. Yeah, yeah. I was very excited yeah. and I'm sure the kids at school were appreciative oh, too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the other questions that I did, not that I have this problem with Ainsley, but is bowel movements. How, mm. like, uh, I, a number of people did say, how do you train for the bowel movements? Like, they'll say he's fully trip trained for pee, but doesn't initiate, but poops his pants, pants randomly. There's no specific time except sometime after school on school days because he must be holding it until he gets home because it's random on non-school days. Mm-hmm. He does come and show me after he's pooped. He is even night trained. And another one was, uh, my son is completely pee trained and wears underwear all day and at night, but he will not poop in the potty. And I, and again, I'm, I personally, I'm not sure if they meant like they're using a separate potty or the actual toilet. Cause we do right. talk about that in the first episode about how important it is to actually be using a toilet as opposed to a potty. Mm-hmm. And, and she also said he comes and asks for a pull up. I have tried everything. Oh, I hear these things sometimes. <laughs> yes. I feel for these people. I feel like I know them. Um, yeah, this can be, this can be a thing. So it's an, it's another complicated issue, unfortunately, where you really have to look at the variables and try to examine what's going on and why so when you have a child who um yeah is pooping their pants um sometimes it's because yep there's fear around using the toilet oftentimes it's just it's so comfortable I really think that's what's going on for a lot of kids for some of them it's that they're in that standing position or 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 slightly squatting and the it's just really hard for them to sort of execute pooping while sitting that can be something that they need to learn so it's it's complicated but um yeah I'll try to give a few ideas of what to do so this is the exception to our rule we talked a lot about last time of course there's always an exception but we talked about how it is important to use the toilet like Mm -hmm. you should really use you know your family's toilet in your home that's where you want your kid to pee and poop especially if they're older using a separate potty can mean retraining them later Mm -hmm. Um, some kids really struggle to generalize from a little potty to the toilet but if there's sort of a negative history on the toilet or there's um challenges with it in some way if the child seems fearful especially around poop some a lot more kids have that with poop than pee in my um, experience then you might actually want to use a little potty for a while so that can be a fresh start um and it can be something that's 
Yeah, they're like when a lot of the times, actually, when I work with with older teens on toilet training, we do use like a camp toilet or something Mm -hmm. um, because they're fearful of the bathroom. And also they just have this history of kind of failing there. Like they have this history of Mm -hmm. it not being successful, frustration from everybody. And they've learned really, really well how to sort of refuse to to do it. Like they just, Mm -hmm. nope, I don't go in there. So this bringing in a new toilet altogether, like a potty, that can really help sometimes. Um, and this is something, um, I've, I've talked with about some OTs I've collaborated with as well, but sometimes the body positioning on a small potty is more conducive to poop. So kids who struggle to get it out on the toilet, um, yeah, if they're more squatting the way they can over a little potty, like Ikea makes a $4.99 potty that's the best. <laughs> like it's so ergonomic, sort of mm-hmm. the way it makes puts their knees up. Um, and that, for some kids, that's really key. It's that they just, oh, it just feels so funny to poop in that seated position. They can right. pee no problem, but there's, oh, it just doesn't feel good. Um, sometimes that, yeah, just squatting sort of over a really tiny potty is the way to do it. Um, so that's something if you do have an OT involved, they can make some really good suggestions around that. Um, also just, yeah, examine your toilet seat. Does it shift when you sit on it? Do they need something softer to sit on? Some kids, like the, the one who's talking about um, their child pooping after school every day Mm. he he might need to camp out on that toilet like can you get him in there every day after school no matter what like you have a pretty consistent pattern and stay for up to an hour but with really fun stuff you know have things that he loves to do in there have a really comfortable seat and then when he just so happens to poop you'd present him with something really awesome like a really good reward so lots of the principles we talked about in the rapid toilet training episode Mm -hmm. would apply here you just kind of have to extract the ones that you need so the reward thing is big for this like the the motivation for a lot of kids to poop on the toilet is just not there so it's kind of this combination of the right apparatus like some sort of potty or really comfortable seat and a big motivator something that they'd really like to do don't worry about your screen time for a while maybe that's sometimes <laughs> what it takes um just yeah let them relax and and be on the potty or in the toilet a long time um that being said too if kids are really resistant and and just seem uncomfortable it's sort of yeah if you think about it it's they've pooped in a diaper their whole life this mm-hmm. feels very weird what you're asking them to do why would they want to do that they're so comfortable in their diaper um and for a lot of of kids socially it's just, it's not they don't care it's not an issue um and that's okay it's yeah everybody's at a different place in terms of you know we talked about the prerequisites before right like the waiting for your child to really want to do it with with poop training especially it seems a lot of kids just they don't get there so that's okay if they're really loving their diapers and really resistant to using the toilet sometimes a, a really good strategy is to actually cut a small hole mm-hmm. in the diaper and then basically you you increase that over time so they essentially poop through the hole um, and the first step of that is often just sitting on the toilet in a, a diaper that's completely intact and just pooping in that and then you reward it as if they pooped in the toilet okay. and then kind of go from there and make the hole bigger that's actually a, a research-based method that's been proven to work and i've used in practice a lot it always sounds a little crazy to people at first but it um it's one of those things i think you know theoretically it has to do with the feeling of the diaper mm-hmm. on their body like it just that's how it should feel when they when they poop right so slowly fading that away makes it easier for some kids to release and be comfortable pooping um just, yeah a final thought about 
about movement training too is just be careful and chat with your doctor about it too because a lot of kids have the tendency to get constipated mm-hmm. and hold it when mm-hmm. they're when there's um a new initiative like this started so it's one of those things where yeah you you want to be ready for what may come up and the doctor might suggest oh maybe a laxative use for a little while um or like i've had i've had um some pediatricians suggest that for kids that i've worked with okay if you're going to do some bowel movement training we really don't want them to get constipated if they have a history of that they might do a temporary laxative or something like that so it's just one of those things um the likelihood that they'll do serious damage it varies so much child by child i don't want to say go ahead and just throw out the diapers and they'll be fine because i have seen kids where they will double down and they are not going to poop and that can be a real problem so yeah treating it i think the families that wrote to you about this are they they are treating it delicately as they should and kind of being a bit careful about it um so yeah lots of motivators and if if the child's just not going to go that's okay they're not going to go today no problem but involving involving their doctors a really good idea um just making sure they're aware of what you're doing and that they would know the child's medical history and can make some recommendations about how to do it carefully and mindfully of course yeah yeah because when you did mention about the women who the child after school actually because I remember we discussed about the the hole in the pull-up or the diaper and I actually thought that might be the solution so yeah I have to think that I was sort of on track with that yeah absolutely no you know your stuff yeah (laughs) yeah well it was a long time coming with so yeah but I learned lots of tips and tricks from you and I guess people also can't understand I mean I'm thinking they probably think well if they're p trained how come they can't do poop because you would think you know having a poopy pull-up or whatever would be way more uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because I know for Ansley that was a big thing like she did not like that yes so it was kind of easy to train yes that's a big benefit if you have that like if the child yeah they don't like it that's wonderful but so many kids I work with do not care like they're totally comfortable in a soiled pull-up um so yeah, no, it can be it can be really tricky. I think one of the main things for what it's worth, why it's harder to train poop is when we do pee training, we can give the child lots Water. and lots of liquid mm-hmm. and then we can we can help them to learn quickly, right? But we can't really control how many times they poop in a way that's safe and ethical. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's something that we yeah, we can't we can't make them learn as fast the way right. or help them to learn as fast the way we can with pee training by just giving lots of liquid. So I think it's uh, yeah, it can be so challenging and um, yeah, everybody should take a deep breath and keep trying, I guess, because it's one of those things that it can be a long time coming, the poop training specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying, because a lot of kids with Down syndrome, they do have constipation yeah. issues. So mm-hmm. I'm sure, and I don't know if that those were the issues for the people who, who responded, mm-hmm. but you know, but that's also something to take into consideration as well, because yeah. it will be harder for those reasons as well mm-hmm. so yeah you got to be careful yeah yeah no, but those are excellent tips so I'm sure people will really appreciate those ones and then another one which I am really interested in mm. finding out about mm-hmm. is nighttime training because like occasionally Ainsley she w- will wake up dry and I think part of it is because she it's because I actually wake her up if she mm. and then she's dry which was just the other day but it's really hit or miss I find and you know I'm not so bothered by it yet mm-hmm. I mean she's seven and I'm okay that for now that she's not uh, nighttime trained but I'd like to know that or like to think that it's gonna happen yeah 
you know, because a lot of people are going like, well, how do we start? Where do we start? You know, and one mom said her daughter was completely daytime trained. And I think if I recall correctly for a few years, but she's wondering if she needs to wake her during the night to take her pee. Cause I, is like, is that the only way? Cause I've heard that and I go, is that how people train for nighttime training? Uh, means I got to get up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So yeah, that's, it's a good, it's a good question. And it's, yeah, it's, it's another, it can be a really challenging issue or it can be a really easy one. So, um, one thing just to start with is, this is one area in particular yeah I would definitely just ask the child's doctor about before you get started um they might advise you to wait again they know the child and their history better and can can talk about um specifics of that child because statistically I mean if if the child's truly bedwetting so the definition I would use of bedwetting is they pee while they're asleep so they Mm. are deeply asleep they don't wake up when they pee um so i mean again we could be talking about a few different things here but for me that's that's you know the place to start is if they're peeing in their sleep statistically fewer and fewer in children children do that each year as they age like it's i i I should have looked up the specific stats for you but there's just you know if if a certain number of children are doing it at age five well then there's less at age six less at age seven less at age eight and as far as i can tell that doesn't have anything to do with a particular diagnosis like it's just as the bladder and body change in age mm-hmm. the likelihood they'll bed wet will go down so if the child is truly peeing while they're asleep most of the time i advise families to just wait a little while like really just give it an, another year even and see where you're at but if it's a big issue that they really want to tackle if it's limiting for sleepovers if it's um if it's an issue that the child's peeing so much that they're maybe peeing through a pull-up and that like there yeah there are reasons to tackle it so um the the gold standard in the research now is to use those alarms we talked about so the okay. the chummy alarms are actually intended for bedwetting but i use them for daytime training almost exclusively but they make a really great alarm that's a mat so that instead of it being oh, a little yes. tiny sensor in their underwear that beeps it's this big mat they they lay on because yes. a lot of kids when they wear those little sensors they roll around in their sleep it comes off or it's uncomfortable they're on the little yeah. pager looking part um so the mat works great for most kids it, it wakes them up and that's again it's that brain body connection thing right. you don't need to use it that long it doesn't yeah it's it's almost magic like it doesn't seem like it'll <laughs> stop them but they're it's it's aversive to humans to be woken up so quickly so they learn to hold their bladder most of the time okay. um, and that could be something too where even if you say try it for a week and it doesn't work for your child wait a few months and try it again okay. like that that's the best so it's sort of a instead of wait the, the parent waking the child up which is what this mom was asking mm-hmm. about this is more precise it's like okay. it, it's it's yeah it's we don't really want the child to um i guess learn to just wake up when their bladder's maybe not even full we want them to learn to wake up when they need to pee which is what the alarm can do okay now, some kids sleep through the alarm because it's they're such deep sleepers then it's usually again wait a while or talk to your pediatrician about it because there are i have worked with clients who um their their pediatrician ends up uh suggesting a medication for a while because it's such an issue so i yeah i don't really when people ask about this it's sort of okay where on the spectrum of this issue are you right because um, if it's really you know they're peeing so much at night 
it might make sense to do a urinary um, like inhibiting medication, but that's again to talk to the doctor. I don't I don't know about that that stuff. So um, yeah, I would suggest the chummy mat. That's my best okay. bet. Yeah, and then you know the the usual conventional wisdom around this makes sense, like limiting liquid after dinner. And for some families, they go, oh, well, we do we really don't want to do that. She doesn't drink much water all day at school. We really want her to get water in at night, which makes sense. Like mm-hmm. kids need water, then it might not be time to work on this yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like prioritize and yeah. Okay. So yeah, the the alarms are the best bet though. It's my bottom line for um, nighttime training. Nighttime. Yeah. Okay, and we'll put links. Yeah, definitely. On the, yeah, to uh, the different page as well for mm-hmm. for that. So if people are interested, because yeah, I forgot about the mat. I remember you mentioning it. I think when we did when you did the training for Ainsley, I think, mm-hmm. but I forgot about that. So that might be something to look into. So. Those are, yeah, those are great tr- tips. I'm sure people will appreciate that. And yeah, the chummy that Ainsley, like she wore it, I think for about, wasn't too long, a week or two after. And mm-hmm. yeah, that definitely helped. And you can just put it on five. So it's yeah. not very intrusive mm-hmm. to the other kids in the class. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was awesome. So, and they're not that expensive. You can just get them on Amazon, I think. Yeah. 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 In the hundred dollar range, but it's a good investment. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Totally. For sure. And then. I had a few moms uh, mention about regression and Mm. I know even one mom in our play group asked me about that and one person said our son was telling us when he had to go potty but now it's 100% prompt dependent and have you seen regression or progress when siblings are born my son is two and a half years old and I'd like to start trying but his baby sister is due in a few months I'm wondering if I should wait until summer to avoid too many transitions at once we also have more time in the summer due to fewer therapies. Yeah, I think the the regression when siblings are born thing is I'm I'm not sure. Like I I haven't really seen it in practice, but I think it might be one of those things that's a a rumor, but probably has some truth behind it. Yeah. Um, because it yeah, having siblings born really rocks kids' worlds as we know. Um, so. For that one, I would for the, yeah that mom who's asking about her her little guy if she should train him now or wait till summer. I would more wait for summer because you have the fewer therapies. Yeah, yeah. if you can. Um, but I mean, you'll have a newborn, so you you figure out when is best. Um, but that yeah, having fewer interruptions in the schedule um, that are important things like therapy is is yeah. I would wait for summer because of that more so than the regression thing. Because I just yeah, it's not something I see. Mm-hmm. Um, in practice but I'm sure it could happen so I don't want to tell her no 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 that's not a thing it could be for her kid right never know yeah Yeah. um and then the other yeah the the family talking about their our son telling us when we had to go potty but now he he really needs prompts (sighs) that that can be for many reasons um I don't see it too often but it definitely happens and usually it's that a reward was faded too quickly or um, there was some sort of change around that. So the motivation to do it on their own hasn't totally taken over and the reward's been removed. Sometimes you just need to step back to something enticing, a rewarding item again. Um, it even can be, this is a subtle difference, but like we talked um in the rapid toilet training context in the previous episode about how important it is to give the reward immediately Mm -hmm. um sometimes once the child starts getting it we kind of water that down and it's like oh they like ice cream 
we'll just keep it in the freezer and we'll go to the bathroom and get it that can derail some kids like they they're 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 not getting why they're getting the ice cream because they've you know walked away from the bathroom and it's been two minutes the connection is sort of lost so that can even happen where maybe either the reward's been removed or he doesn't understand that's why he's getting it uh, for what it's worth so just making sure that um, going back a step to using an immediate reward for a while can really okay. help yeah and this family in particular is talking about how he used to initiate and now he's not that thing we mentioned before about possibly yeah keeping a reward in the bathroom for a while so that'll make him want to go into the bathroom that that could really help so hopefully it's it's something relatively simple like that but yeah you never know it could be a bigger issue um it's worth looking at more sort of variables in his life mm-hmm. um, but i'd start with the rewards as the okay m- easiest potential solution yeah and then another mom asked me and i mean this might i don't know if it's really regression or not but i, I maybe it's more of a distraction because she said He's, you know, looking at the mirror and then of course it's going everywhere. And I said, well, maybe you need to cover up that part of the mirror. So, because before I guess it wasn't an issue. So I I don't know what. I agree with you. Yeah. 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 Just probably cover it up for now until he gets used to it. It's just a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Just cover it up till he's really mastered it and then yeah, you can uncover it again. But while he's, it's sort of, yeah, when kids are first learning, to use the toilet it's it requires like all their focus and it's Mm -hmm. really really hard like it's like us you know solving a quadratic equation or something it's like (laughs) if somebody's like got a mirror and lights around you you oh okay yeah i'll be like it's really you really need to do everything you can to let them let them focus Focus. yeah i think he'd been he's been trained for quite a while yeah and i i I think she was concerned that maybe it was regression but i think it i think it was more the distraction yeah totally and yeah and maybe you know so many kids that love that social interaction like maybe the first time he did it mom laughed and then he was like i'll try it again and again like that i see that all the time yeah we almost always have to take the toilet paper roll off the off the roll because the kids are just hitting it, it batting it yeah and yeah because <laughs> i always laugh the first time i haven't learned in all these years and i laugh and then they yeah so oh, it's yeah yeah distractions are a factor totally yes. okay yeah yeah i know because hinsley she's not so bad now but she would just like pull it all out yes yeah. or go for the hug go for the hug that was her <laughs> tactic like what's hug okay that's yeah. so sweet then you give her a hug and next thing you know she's like i'm off the toilet yeah. so yeah yeah that's they're one step ahead of us these kids yeah yeah okay those awesome those are awesome tips and then we i just had some also some really kind of random questions that didn't really fall into anything particular but um one woman she said you know my child shows no physical or emotional understanding or awareness if she pees or poops literally no response or awareness do we wait until the awareness comes will it come mm-hmm. we've tried before on a schedule but it was so exhausting and demoralizing and i get that mm-hmm. and she said she's 10 now and puberty is looming and that would be kind of scary so. yeah i f- yeah i feel for this mom i think um yeah the 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 understanding and awareness of when they're peeing or pooping i very often work with kids where there's none so i would want to reassure her that's okay like you you don't have to wait for it and i wouldn't advise waiting for it because i i can't guarantee you that they'll ever get there really Mm -hmm. um i you know developmentally yes most kids will get there but um if you wait you could be waiting a while so it sounds like 
this child, yeah, I would, I would definitely try the rapid toilet training method um, because it's like, like you're kind of at square one. So if the child sounds like a good candidate for that, based on what we talked about in that other episode, I would, I would think that would be great because she talked about trying on a schedule. What that means to me usually is that they've tried, say, taking her to the bathroom every half hour and sitting for five minutes or something like that, or every hour and sitting for five minutes. Um, for some kids, when there's that no awareness factor she's talking about, you you never catch the pee. They never just mm. happen to pee on the toilet. And you're mm. at it like, yeah, totally exhausting and demoralizing, like she said. You're at it for so long with mm-hmm. no success. So that's the the great thing about rapid toilet training is it's designed in such a way that you're on the toilet so much there's success very quickly and the child and the adult experience that and Mm -hmm. then you're kind of like we can do this so you want to keep going so yeah I would totally suggest that method based on the information she's provided okay Mm -hmm. yeah that totally makes sense like inundate with water and just yeah. park it in the bathroom yeah the awareness comes later like the yeah, yeah it doesn't they don't have to have it when they start mm-hmm. it, it comes later yeah. yeah and I can vouch for that mm. with Ainsley mm. like it definitely improved over like you know mm-hmm. after we finished with you like you know we it was a little bit rough after for a few weeks after mm-hmm. but then you know she's you know, she's super proud of herself yeah. when she does it and when she goes on the toilet and you know and like I said she's starting to initiate sometimes it's to get out of things mm-hmm. but often you know she is really truly initiating and yeah and I think you just got to go with the rapid yeah toilet training. I think that's probably what works primarily I think for our kids with yeah Dancing totally or, yeah you know just because you know, just for the tone issues and, mm-hmm. and stuff, you want them to have success right away. And, and a lot for, a lot for our kids with Down syndrome is they are really responsive to praise. Totally. And Ainsley, yeah. like she loves, you know, the praise. So mm-hmm. it's, it worked awesome for her. Yeah. So. Yeah. The social interaction of, of it was huge. Yeah. And for, it works for kids where that's not a factor too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah, if it is, it's great. Like that's gravy for us. If she also wants to interact with us and yeah, then, yeah, we can, we can use that. Like, yeah, <laughs> we'll make this really fun. Um, but for some kids I work with that, they don't they don't even like someone talking to them and it's a big adjustment for me I'm used to kind of okay let's do this and kind of um, cheerleading my way through it but yeah some kids want kind of silence and that's okay like we make Mm -hmm. it work the environment you know within that rapid toilet training framework work for the child like it can be adjusted so it's the most comfortable thing for them and yeah yeah but it is it, it yeah it is still the thing to try if you're yeah. if you're not sure um it's yeah the best way to cover all your bases mm-hmm. and give them a good foundation even if um doesn't you know do the whole thing it gives you a good launching point yeah absolutely yeah like I guess if people just want to try mm-hmm. you know is there any I guess can you ever be trying it too soon yeah, that's a good question. That's a it's a common one. Yeah, and we talked about that last time too. Mm-hmm. Yes, the the times I would wait are if like we were talking before about how initiation is so related to their communication skills. Yes. If the child's on a, the verge of some big communication 
breakthrough mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell like not to use a specific example but I think you're okay with it Mary you kind of okay. put it all out there on the podcast <laughs> yeah. but Ainsley had got hearing aids right yes. before we started yeah. or soon before we started and you said I I thought this was the time to try you were totally right like her communication improves so much with mm-hmm. the hearing aids so yes. just if you know there's something like that coming I, or I, I can't think of another example but you know you've just started with a new speech pathologist or something right mm-hmm. that's real okay my kid is making some gains here wait a little while because it can be easier if you can just you know if their receptive language improves so much that you can kind of explain what you want them to do whereas you couldn't before yeah. then yeah wait a little while yeah. that's okay um but that being said, uh, the, the general rule is, no, it's not too early. Give it a shot. Um, yeah. And yeah, and talking about, you know, will they drink a lot? All those things we talked about mm-hmm. in the previous episode too. Yeah, like will they drink a lot? Um, can you engage them enough that they could sit for a while? Or can you enlist somebody to help with that? Because mm-hmm. sometimes that's really challenging for the parent because we all know kids are the most resistant to their own parents so yeah can you engage you know (laughs) some help um but yeah you can you can almost always get started yeah totally don't worry about prerequisites too much there's no research behind them okay they're yeah but I do remember you saying but you have to be 100% committed yes like there's no point I think you said just dipping your toe in the ocean Mm -hmm. right and I I thought about that I go yeah that's right because you know why like because it, it, then I think that's when it gets demoralizing. Yeah. Because you're you're at it for so long, mm-hmm. but when you do the rapid toilet training, it's condensed and it is hard. It yeah. Is, and that's why it's good if you if you're able to to bring someone in or even to just try to, to for a little bit of help, maybe not for the whole entire session or the entire time, but to just to give you a bit of a break and to give you some help. Because I think you're right. You just have well, I know you're right because it worked. Mm-hmm. Is you just got to be one hundred and ten percent committed to doing it and you whenever I've talked to other parents I've always said you can't do anything else during that time like you have to have meals everything has got to be prepared you don't have to, you have to just focus on this one child for this one skill and you know for that duration and because then that's what works and as you've shown it works and the research mm-hmm. essentially backs that up yeah absolutely that's that's the main thing is yeah exactly what you said you you can yeah you're gonna work get me out of a job here Mary you know it all now (laughs) this is yeah but no that's exactly right like that's it's it has to be such a focus and also I mean it it really does confuse the child in most cases that I see if you if you try a little bit if you Mm -hmm. oh I'll just try sitting on the toilet before before bath every night that sounds so that makes so much sense why not they're naked anyway you're in the bathroom put them on the toilet I work with kids where they I come in and they we go into the bathroom and they sit on the toilet and then they they hop up and want to get in the bath and I go uh, no 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 it's not bath time <laughs> but that's what they've been trying so no and I'm not I'm not you know um, chastising parents who've done that because it does make sense and mm-hmm. if you talk to your friends about it or anybody about it or or read at the you know potty section of a parenting book it'll probably tell you to do something like that but when we're working with kids where there are learning challenges Mm -hmm. sometimes like one in a hundred kids or one in a thousand kids that sitting on the toilet before they get in the bath thing confuses the heck out of them so for me in my practice it's like remove all confusion so I always advise families like just wait until you're really ready to focus just like you said Mary yeah 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 all in yes absolutely (laughs) 
Um, another question we had was, my nine-year-old son is so stubborn. He will occasionally pee on the potty, even at school, but mostly fights it and won't go. He knows what to do. He's even changed himself. He just is absolutely adamant and no form of reward works. <gasps> oh my goodness. Yes, I see. I think I know this child. No, but similar. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think my hunch when I when I hear this one is... It's that he cannot, he will not do this with his parents, like, or the parent who's mostly been trying this with him. And this is a thing, like, it's a phenomenon in research. I see it in practice. There are some kids who they actually do know what to do. There's just, there's some, for some reason, a power struggle has started um, where they're just not going to do it for their parents. So I would, I would think in this case, if they can enlist somebody to help, and the parents totally not involved for the first little bit. That might be key for for this for this little guy. Um, and then, yeah, the, there's gotta be yeah the no form of reward thing. There's gotta be something. I mean, way outside the box. I don't know. I don't know what it it could be, but. Sometimes it's something really big and flashy. Sometimes, like we talked last time about kids who like FaceTiming people, FaceTiming grandma and stuff. I also, there's this, I don't know if you've heard of this thing, Cameo. It's like a new, I don't know, I wouldn't call it social media, but it's this thing where you can pay to get a celebrity to record a message. So some some family I worked with, their kid loved like a a wrestler, like one specific wrestler, and they got a cameo from him. And you can play it over and over. And it's him going, good job, and saying the kid's name. I knew you could do this, man. It's going to be so. And the the kid would just get to watch it each time he peed. And that he was like, got it. I know how to pee now because I want to watch this video. Like it's sometimes it's kids like this though where they get it, but it's the motivation. So something something weird and out of the box like might be the thing to get. Um, So yeah, I always am trying to rack up more ideas for (laughs) rewards. rewards. That one was I. That wasn't me. That was the family. I was so impressed with it. I thought yeah, like I think they paid big bucks for that. (laughs) They can use it over and over. Like yeah, yeah, you you yeah you pay the person to do a personalized little video. So that's kind of cool. So anyway, I'm just thinking. There's got to be something, and it probably can't be mom if mom's the one who's been trying. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she said he pees sometimes at school. Maybe he really likes his support worker at school, and he could actually totally master this at school and then transfer to home. Like sometimes that makes sense based on the dynamics and what's going on. I do work okay. with some kids who are, yeah, like really compliant at school and will go with the flow, and it might be yeah. because their friends are there. They really adore their teacher, and that that can be the place to go. So I think there's got to be a way he can do it. It's just he's really smart. You gotta, you gotta yeah. outthink this nine-year-old. Yeah, that's tricky. Okay, that's great. And um, a few more questions that we have. So one was, how do you get over the fear of sitting on the potty? And again, I don't know if mm. the child is sitting on an actual potty or the toilet. They just use the word potty. Um, my son will run to the bathroom saying, gotta pee and pretends to sit or stand. He never actually has to pee. If I try to get him to sit, he freaks out in a very nervous, scared way. He has started to take his diaper off and pee on the floor. I do not make a big deal out of it, which is good, and make him help clean it up. But now he loves cleaning the pee Mm. and he thinks it's fun. (laughs) Oh dear. And now he poops in the shower. Not while having a shower, but he gets in, pulls his pants and diaper down and poops in there. How do I stop this when when this kid, with this kid who thinks cleaning up messes is fun? Yes. 
This is complex. I really yeah. liked her narrative too. <laughs> She's a good writer. Um, I think, uh, yeah, this is probably a child where, like, I read it, Mary, is that they? She was saying they're using a toilet. Okay. I think it might. He might be the one exception again to the rule of always use the toilet. It might be use a potty. Because what I've done before with kids who will, like, I love that he'll get in the shower and poop. That he gets that he's supposed to take his pants off. It's not about the diaper okay I'm in the bed like he's trying right yeah. and then yeah uh, so I could see and I've worked with kids with similar sort of issues where we just slide that $4.99 Ikea potty right under them as they poop and then the poop can go in that little potty okay. um, and then the other reason I love the cheap Ikea potty is you can eventually it's so small it fits in most toilets okay. so it sounds very unsanitary and kind of weird but eventually what we do is we kind of move it a little bit closer a little bit closer a little bit closer and then we can just put it right in the toilet and then they can actually pee or poop in that in the toilet and then um, usually after that point I've worked with some kids where they go, okay, now I'm fine. They don't want the potty in there. Okay, I've got it now. It's okay, no big deal. And some kids, we go from the potty to like a different smaller container, maybe something transparent, mm -hmm. and then we eventually take that away. So it's kind of a fading procedure based on how okay. fearful they seem about it. Um, but I, yeah, if I were her, I would try to get him to use something that's not the toilet. So a potty would be a good idea. And I love okay. that he's trying to do this in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess and, it's, a, it's a benefit that he's yeah. at least doing it in the bathroom, yeah. But, but she probably, this seems so counterintuitive as a parent, she probably shouldn't let him help clean up now because he's liking it so much. Oh, okay. It's sort of an inadvertent reward. Word. Like he's, yeah, he's enjoying cleaning up the poop that's not where it's supposed to be. So yeah. if he were to poop in the little potty, then that would be, that would be okay. Like that mm. would be something where, yeah. Um, for what it's worth to, um, in terms of, yeah, using alternate vessels, for some kids, it's the water in the toilet that scares them. I, okay. I, I oh, okay. don't know how really I've figured that out, but it's case by case. Some kids know it's just the whole, the, the flushing, uh, who knows, like the whole toilet at large. But when we um, do that thing where we put foil in, so we can hear the pee like we mm -hmm. did that with Ainsley as well. So it, when kids are the first couple times they pee, it's really nice if you have aluminum foil in the toilet so you can hear it very loudly. It helps them make the connection to, oh, what's that sound? That's pee. That's a good sound. The good stuff's like um, yeah. coming out. Oh, it's wonderful. Because otherwise a lot of kids have a pretty quiet stream and there's no bathroom fans going. The mm -hmm. iPad's on. It's hard to hear. Um, sometimes when we put the foil on, that alleviates their fear because it can totally cover the water. So that's another oh. thing. She might even okay. just try that, like okay. visually blocking the water and see how he reacts to that. Um, but my hunch is that the, the little potty will work because he could even do that in the shower to start with. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Oh, awesome. That's why we have you here. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> worth, the, worth the price of admission. Yeah. And another question was, sometimes my daughter can't pee with a person she doesn't know well or who she doesn't trust. For example, a new teacher at daycare, a new babysitter, etc. She just can't relax and pee. How can she overcome this? Oh, I, I feel for yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I can one. see that, yeah. Totally, yeah. I think a lot of people get shy bladder even when you're in a big bathroom, at, like a mall, and there's yeah. a bunch of people in there. Um, and there's a term for that. I never heard that before. Yeah. Shy bladder. Yes, okay. I'm sure I heard that on <laughs> Seinfeld or something. But, um, I think that... Uh, 
yeah, this, this makes a lot of sense. And usually what I've done in similar situations is if you can't have mom or dad, whoever wrote this, go in with the babysitter, that's ideal. So um, like if, if you can do that, that's step one. So say, you know, the babysitter's coming over, mom or dad might go to the bathroom with a child and the babysitter can just peek their head in at the end and go good job and maybe help the child wash their hands sometimes that alleviates the fear just that they see the babysitter and mom or dad in the room together Mm -hmm. like that can okay I'm okay here um I've also done things where we kind of we try to use an object that'll help the child relax um that's it, yeah, it, it can, it's like, like a comfort thing, almost like a blankie. So say, you know, there's a special squishy toy they can squeeze and they, mom or dad uses that with the child every time while they're in the bathroom, like after they wash their hands, they squeeze this toy. Then that same toy can go with them to daycare and they go, here's the toy. It's kind of okay. like, remember, this is the same thing that you use. It can just be sort of a symbol to relax. Um, similarly, sometimes playing a certain song, like you could ask the daycare teacher, can you play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star while she's supposed to go pee? Cause that's what we do at home. It's almost just giving her the same stimulus that'll help her yeah. pee, but it can be really relaxing. So trying to make something the same about okay. the environment in each place is, um, okay. is key. Like that really does seem to work when I've had this issue come up in the past, um, yeah that's it's a it's a tough one like it can be mm-hmm. it can be something that's a challenge and it, it might it might also help if the person kind of steps outside the door and lets the child be alone if they can if that's safe oh, that can okay. really help too like yeah. they sometimes new people can be way too close mm-hmm. and if if they if they can just you know not the child cannot visually see them that can really help too so yeah okay. just yeah so either Basically, yeah, if the person can give the child a little space, if that's safe for that child or something environmentally the same can really, really help an object, a song, something that reminds them of peeing with mom or dad can really help. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to thank you for coming on today, Katie. This has been awesome into our little dining room studio. My pleasure. You know, and there were so many lots of great questions from uh, our different listeners. And, you know, as we said earlier in this episode, that if people are, you know, really want to know more about the rapid toileting method, they can go to the season one. And I'm pretty sure it's episode 17. And I also, on the same day of that, that that podcast aired, I also put the notes on the T21 Mom Facebook page that kind of goes into a little bit more detail on how to do the rapid toilet training method, you know, inundating with water and using the rewards and, and sort of how you phase it out. So yeah, like it's awesome. I know this is such a huge milestone for our kiddos and a welcomed one. Cause I, you know, it was, I'm pretty proud of Ainsley, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we do have the odd accident here and there, but you know, it, she's very proud of herself and it's, and I'm really happy that she's starting to, initiate more on her own now like to say sometimes she'll go but not often sometimes but she'll definitely say mm. often that she has to go which is great so we'll work we'll start working on the nighttime training that, yeah. that'll be our next uh milestone. Yeah. so I'll, I'll let you know how that goes and but if people have other questions that we didn't really cover uh they can email me um at info at t21mom.com and i'll compile the questions and uh pass them over to Katie and then 
I don't know, maybe we'll have you back for a third time or, or we'll figure out a way to answer those questions because Mm -hmm. you know, I, like you said, you got like, I think over a hundred emails from people and the questions I'm sure were all very various, like probably pretty different or, and I'm sure there was a lot that were very similar as Mm -hmm. well, but, um, you know, just cause it, it is hard. It is a hard milestone for, I think more for the parents. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, um, so, and I'm so grateful that there's people like you that actually do this for a living. Like I was mm-hmm. so thankful and, uh, that, you know, and it's awesome. It's awesome now that she's in her underwear and, and I love it. And yeah, I think she loves it too. So, and also just helps her fit in better with at school. I like that, you know, that, no, she's in grade two now and and she's just like all the other kids yeah no yeah. that's a that's why i do it like it's so exciting when the kids can get in underwear it's pretty amazing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i still remember when she first ran out in her underwear when you were there oh like, oh she's so cute underwear. <laughs> yeah it's pretty yeah it's a pretty special moment so thank you yeah it was my pleasure it's great great to talk with you as always yes thanks katie such a, a great deal of knowledge that katie manages to put in front of us i know and i'm quite confident that our listeners will fully appreciate the expertise that she's offered and i really truly hope that it will help a lot of us parents out there who you know might be struggling with this milestone because it can be a hard one and a challenging one you know especially if you have an older child so you know hopefully this will help I mean, for typical kids, it's, you know, it's difficult, but for, you know, for special needs, as I've learned from, from you and Katie, it's, it's practically, it's, it's a journey that seems to have no quick end. This takes a while. Well, but she does it in five days. So, you know, I think that's pretty good. And Ainsley, you know, for the most part. How long did you struggle before that? Well, you know, I think I had tried the rapid training method myself. It was two or three times, but I I didn't know it really should have been for five days. And I was doing it for three days, but really by the end of three days, I was pretty much done. I, I don't think I could have done two more days. It's it's hard. You really need someone to help you. And because it it's emotional too, because it's your own child. And we all want this milestone. We all want this done like last week you know because I you know I wondered is this ever going to happen and you know it did for Ainsley and I'm super proud of her and I know she is super proud of herself you know and it's tough I mean it was it it was a bit rough after we finished with Katie because it was around close to her birthday and Christmas so you know it wasn't always our typical routines you know but she is rocking it at school and daycare. She is doing so awesome. And, you know, we go out all the time and she's she's wearing underwear. And, you know, I can pretty much attribute attribute that all to Katie and her magic, you know, because it really, it is, it's magic. <laughs> well, I know we, we're, we were both very grateful that she came into the studio rather than being a remote. We were very happy to actually <laughs> have her to be able to ask questions yeah. uh, in person. Yeah. And, and like we, we, uh, said in the podcast is, um, if you do have questions, feel free to email me at info at t21mom.com and I'll be more than happy to pass those along to Katie. I can sort of group them together and, and, uh, get them 
to her so that she can answer them and either I'll get back to the people directly or we'll figure out a way to respond to people's questions. But, you know, it's, I, I read about it all the time and it's a huge, huge, uh, milestone and, you know, it's one that we really, really want for our kids. So thanks okay. again, Katie, for coming on. And where are we going next time? We are going to talk to Dr. Susan Fawcett, who was on a previous episode, and she is from the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation. And she's going to talk this time about the Down Syndrome and Autism Connection. Okay, so why don't you lead us out and we'll look forward to next time. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast, and I would love to hear from you. What things are important to you as you navigate this journey of Down syndrome and special needs? How are you doing things your way? Drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com and let us know what's going on in your life. Keep loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time. See you, Mary. Bye, Ron. Bye.